As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and sportsman drag racing. I am joined, as usual, I'm a co-host, the one, the only, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Jed is coming to us live from the chair and a half in Alabama. We've got a big, big show for you today. We've got some bracket action. We've got some NHRA updates. We'll play a little one word, Jed, on the eve of a big weekend for you and the fam. How you feeling this Monday? Early in the week for a podcast. It is early show this week, Luke. And if I could use one word to describe how I'm feeling, I would say comfortable. One word. I am. Uh, I'm at the house at the house by myself. Uh, got the living room this week, and uh, I'm in my chair and a half. Got a little bit of leg showing right there. I do have pants on. Uh, feeling really good, bro. I mean, this is this is how I want to do podcasting right here. The live viewer can see that you're comfortable. I'm confident that the podcast listener, Jed, can hear the comfort in your voice. Life is good. Life is better than I deserve, Luke, for sure. Um, you know, I, I am I am uh, exuding. Is that a word? Exuding comfortable right now uh, and i know the listeners can tell that you know it's pretty good to be big jed at this moment big jed competing for a world championship this coming weekend oh bro uh you know that i don't get these kind of opportunities very often uh my points chasing days are behind me but i, I somehow fell into a championship at i-22 motorsports park and I get to go race the IHRA World Finals. Going to be a really cool experience. Uh, JJ's going to be announcing Saturday. Uh, as I've talked about in last week's show, he'll be in the homecoming court uh, on Friday. I drive him around in the parade on Friday. And he waves at everybody and smiles. And then he walks out on the field at the football game Friday night. And then we're going to jet to Holly Springs, where the high, by the way, Luke, the high is going to be 66. Okay. Okay. He's Fahrenheit. Yeah. Fahrenheit. So uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a beautiful racing weekend following JJ's homecoming court. You know, I know be jealous, everyone. I know everybody wants to be me right now, but unfortunately there's only enough of me for me to be me. I am the hemist me right now. Shouts to the hymns. He's him. He's him. <laughs> no doubt. 
Jed, the fall fling, the final fling event of 2023 is in the books. Your pride and joy, pride and joy, JJ, as we just discussed, did an incredible job calling the action throughout the weekend. I got to tune in a little bit off and on. It was good to hear the uh, the familiar tones of the best. What are we? Seventeen now. Seventeen, yes. Seventeen year old announcer in the business. I remember saying that when it was the eleven, the best eleven year old announcer in the business. What happened? Yeah, he was our. Uh, you know, he was on a podcast. He was our. Uh, best 11 year old announcer on earth. And, you know, now he's 17. He's, he's all grown up Luke, but uh, uh, it was great watching my boy live his dream, you know, racing a premier event like that is a, is a very special thing for anyone. But I think those of us that have gotten to do it uh, on a, on many occasions, probably take it for granted. Not probably we do. Uh, I think we forget sometimes how fortunate we are. So it's fun to watch a 17-year-old live that dream and just really be hyped about every single thing that happens. He raced Dan Fletcher, bro. He raced Dan Fletcher and got a win light. So, you know, I mean, that's a, that's something. That he was know. one of the one Fletch was bitching about on social media, wasn't he? <laughs> I didn't see him. I didn't see him raising any cane about it, but uh Maybe he was, but uh, it was really cool to watch JJ turn on a wind light against Fletch. And, you know, he, uh, we, we had a strategy going into the race and he, he did exactly what we talked about and it, it worked out for him. Obviously that's a tough out at any time. So, you know, really cool to get to watch him live his dream and, and be a part of something so special. And uh, I was a, I was a proud dad tuned in every moment. That's awesome. Now, a week ago, Big Jed, did you think that we would lead the podcast with Michael Jackson talk? Because we're going to start <laughs> off talking about Michael Jackson dominating the fall fling. No, uh, Michael Jackson, it was definitely a, a, you know, a thriller of a weekend. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was, a, it was really cool to, to watch him do his thing um, and, and definitely worthy of the discussion that we're going to have about him, Luke. It was, it was fun stuff. All of the low-hanging fruit jokes aside, Michael Jackson dominated the fall fling, specifically the Saturday portion of the fall fling. He won the 30 grander that capped his weekend points championship. He qualified for the best package runoff. There was nothing that Michael Jackson could do on the racetrack that he didn't do, at least on Saturday. Really impressive stuff from uh, an unheralded, you know, little-known racer from North Carolina, I believe rolls in and absolutely stakes his claim on fall fling Bristol. Yeah, Luke, it was fun to watch. Obviously, it's a Red Nova. I'm a fan of those. Um, you know, a car dialed 608 to 610, 611 throughout the weekend. Typically not what we're seeing dominate, um, and he did. It was very impressive to watch him do what he does. And, you know, the, the first – the first night, I'm not familiar with Michael. Um, I've heard a lot of his music, but I uh, never really watched him race a whole lot. So the first race that he did well, I thought, well, that's cool. You know, a, a guy that you don't see all the time in the winter circle getting it done. And then as the weekend progressed, it was obvious. This cat is no joke. Uh, he was well prepared. His equipment was prepared. And he performed exceptional. I mean, really, in some tough moments, it was a, it was a blast to see him do what he was doing. Let's play a little one word. One word to describe Michael Jackson's domination of the fall fling. Well, Luke, it was. Uh, there's a lot of words you could put on it, but plain and simple, it was impressive. It was impressive. Uh, I mean, you know, we. We discussed it a little bit uh, earlier today through our Voxer app, and I said, I think it's the result of single entry. You know, the, the one car, one driver format, I think just puts everybody on such an even playing field. And I loved it. I loved watching it. I loved watching the, the two hitters going at one another round after round after round and knowing that once that car was eliminated, that racer wasn't, you know, we weren't going to see them come back in a little while with data and preparation to, 
to make a different style run or win, they were done. So um, it was a it was a joy to watch, and it just had a different vibe to it to me. And I think the single entry, just you know, Michael Jackson obviously is no slouch. This is a great racer, okay, but it's not a guy that travels around all over the country racing different style tracks and atmospheres and those things. So I, I thought it, it gave him and everyone else an equal opportunity. And I think your results that you got from that format would be a lot more typical if you saw a lot of these type of events. And to me, it was just super cool. And one word is impressive. I'm going to go a little different direction. My word is surprising. Right? Pleasantly, pleasant surprise, right? To see somebody that, quite frankly, I was not familiar with prior to this event to have that level of success, surprising in an awesome way. The reason I'll stick with surprising, Jed, I'll disagree with you. I'll, I'll take a little bit to, to believe that this is a result of the format, I think is flawed. Now, to be fair, to be completely clear, I love the format. I do think it is the most fair way to contest uh, an event of any sort. It's old school. It's going back to the way it was and in a lot of people's minds, the way it should be. We all get one shot, one entry, let's roll, right? And and I love that aspect of it. And I do agree. It is the most, um, fair is not really the right word, the most comprehensive way to, to give every, to put everyone on equal footing. But to assume that that format gives the every man a better chance, I don't necessarily agree with. Like it does put us all on equal footing and it and it I love it because it allows anyone that's got the means to enter the race has the means to compete just like everybody else, right? There's no advantage to being able to buy multiple entries. There's no advantage to owning multiple cars. Like everybody gets one shot. However, in the confines of that, if everybody gets one shot, particularly at an event that is spread out, I think more often than not, the cream rises to the top. I think more often than not in that format, the winners are going to be the names that you're very familiar with, that you expect to win, because those are the racers that have the experience, the confidence, the what it takes to make good runs six hours apart when it's your only shot of the day and you've got the pressure of that. So while I don't, I, I guess my, my bottom line here is like, I don't care what the format is. I think the best racers are going to win. And I think results like this, again, not to take anything away from Michael Jackson, but the thought that we would have, if you had six events like this in a season, I don't think we're going to have many weekend points champions that we hadn't, we weren't familiar with coming in. I think the cream would rise to the top more often than not. That's great logic. And I totally understand that. But, you know, I feel like people race different when they know they have a second opportunity. Um, I feel like I race different when I've got a double entry. Um, you know, and I think that it, ch it does change the strategy, the overall, um, overall, uh, style of racing that you're going to, to try to use when you don't have that backup, because I think people race differently in round one, when they know there's a buyback than they do, I think they get a little more conservative, um, when they know there's not another opportunity for them to come around in the same car or a different car or come back for a buyback round. So, you know, I, and I could totally be off base. I, I may be talking more of my experience and how I handle things, but regardless, um, you know, I, I, I do, I just feel like certainly those great racers, those traveling pros, are always hard to beat. And I agree, the cream rises to the top and winners win. And it doesn't matter how many opportunities you give them and those types of things. But in this style of racing, I just feel like beating those guys twice is a very, very difficult task. And maybe, you know, being able to eliminate them once, knowing they don't have a backup and they might change a little something in their style just changes things for a single entry race. But Regardless, I certainly understand your logic too. And 
you know, I don't know if we'll ever know the, the real answer to that, but um, definitely loved the format, just as you, you did. You do. You make a good point in that I could see the the randomness being elevated slightly. Like that 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 does resonate to me. I guess my point was that if if everybody's got one shot to to run, you know, potentially one round that matters, I do feel like the everything that I said before, the experience, the confidence, the having been through that before, I think it plays in the favor of the more experienced racer. But reasonable arguments on both sides, to be sure. The $100,000 Friday main event, Big Jed, it was an all-door car final with Steve Dunn getting the victory over Shelly Elrod. Door car final. In fact, we saw three of four door car winners. The door car domination continues. Mike Barber won the Thursday 30 grander. We had the all-door car $100,000 race final. Obviously, Michael Jackson, who we just discussed, he was beating it in a door car. We talked about the million-dollar race, door car domination. It was only Hunter Patton that was able to break through on the dragster side. And you could make the argument that perhaps, perhaps that wouldn't have happened had Jesse Fritz not broken and had to swap cars for the final. That was the only dragster victory. Hunter may have got him either way, but it was a, it was a bit skewed there in the final. We talked about the big dollar Labor Day race, um, the 40 Grand Nationals at Norwalk, in which door cars and dragsters weren't separated. Door cars had to race dragsters all day long. And guess what? It was all door car winners at the end. Now, I've said all along that this is a bit of an aberration, that if everybody's on equal footing, I think the dragster still has a slight edge. Are, I think by and large, Jed, you've agreed in one word. Are you ready to change your tune? Is it a door car world we're living in? Well, it certainly feels that way, Luke. Uh, you know, you, you're, you're, we're a product of what our eyes are seeing most recently, and uh, you know, this is this is one word for me. This is enjoyable. I'm enjoying watching the door cars get it done. And that's not because I hate dragsters or hate the people that race dragsters. I just, you know, naturally, um, you know, I'm short, fat, and bald. So I root for the underdog. I'm a, I'm a guy that wants to see the, you know, the, the Barons win. I want to see, you know, the, the Washington, whatever team that played the Globetrotters, you know, I want to see them, I want to see them win by 10, but they don't ever win. So I just pull for the underdog, and I feel like in most cases, people view the door car, regardless of who's driving it, as the underdog. And, you know, being a door car racer myself, I, I, I have enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed watching the door cars, you know, get their share and then some. And certainly that, that goes all the way back to Donnie Hagar. It's not only a door car, he's a hoodless no box car. He's a bottom bulber. So, you know, this is to me, uh, I've, from a spectator standpoint, I have thoroughly enjoyed what has taken place lately uh, just because, you know, that's the, that's the guys that's representing what I do on a, on a weekly basis, race the door car. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm having a blast and seeing them compete and do well. Your, your guy in your own words, like the epitome of Jed's guy, sees no need for a helmet visor or a hood or a delay box. Yeah, no, no visor, no, no blocker of any kind. I don't understand that one, but, you know, to each his own, dull K approach. No, I was, I was thinking more in terms of an open cockpit car. You, most racers need a visor. On oh, car. I see. It's not necessary yes. in, a, in, a, in a door slammer. Sorry to get a little bit carried away there. I get it. Okay. Enjoyable is a great word. I also find it enjoyable to see the door cars having success. I'm going to stick to my guns with my one word. And although I don't have a thesaurus available today because my one word for the last one word was surprising. My one word here is, again, surprising. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I'm going to stick to my guns here. The door cars keep proving me wrong. I still think apples to apples, the dragster is a slightly better weapon. It, it has a slight advantage. I'm probably, I'm going to have to go like another year of results like this to finally wise up and say, I'm wrong. I'm not ready to admit that yet. I was specifically, especially surprised 
to see this result at Bristol. Because as you and I know, Jed, at a facility that we love, that is dear to both of our hearts for different reasons, Bristol Dragway is can be, has been known to be a tricky place. Like it is not a place where most cars just sit on a number and repeat all day long. Like you typically get, I think Ernie Humes had, had mentioned it in his in his Facebook post, a Bristol round or two that you just can't really explain. And it just moved a little bit. That's common there. And typically those inconsistencies, that unpredictability gets magnified a bit. If for no other reason than you're on the racetrack longer, in a door car than in a dragster. So if the tide was going to turn on this recent trend, I would say it's most likely to turn in Bristol. Dragsters definitely have the advantage in Bristol. There was um, one dragster winner, only three total dragster finalists in what, four or five events? I, I, I could very well be wrong, but I'm gonna stick to my guns here, Big Jed. The word is surprising. Well, I can totally understand that word being applied to to the door car domination. And, you know, I totally understand your um, stance on the dragster being the better tool for uh, big money bracket racing or, or sportsman racing in general, maybe. But, um, Luke, I, I think what is happening here is – the, the dragster impact on our sport has forced the door car racers to, to really tighten their program up. I Definitely. think I agree. Dragsters, dragsters being so good, I think has had a very positive impact on the door car racers to where, you know, maybe they did like to, maybe they took, was okay with taking a car to the track that moved a couple of two or three during the day and they just dealt with it. But, you can't get away with that at most of these big money races. So I, I think that the dragster impact is what's forced this door car domination to where the door cars are just that good and the racers are that focused. So um, if, you know, if, if anything can be credited to the dragster racers, that's it. I think they have really impacted the sport to a point where we all had to get better. A bit of a backhanded compliment, but I like it. I, I, I like where you're going. Yeah. The only dragster to score big at Bristol was a heck of a story in its own right, Big Jed. How about the York boys? Jeremy York over Jesse York in the opening $15,000 warm up event, which actually had to be completed a little bit later in the week. And We'll just focus on Jeremy for the time being because he he was he did ultimately get to hold the trophy at day's end. Who's had a better September than Jeremy York? If you remember, he won a $30,000 fling event, the summer fling in Columbus just a few weeks ago. In fact, of the two recent fling events, there were three dragsters that won. Two of them <laughs> belonged to Jeremy York. The only other dragster winner in that time frame, Randy Krause, who got that last day at Columbus. Your thoughts on Jeremy, Jesse York, the York family domination and what had to be and will continue to be an unforgettable night for a family that I think we'd all agree is, is hard not to hard not to like, hard not to root for. Great family. Uh, they do it together as a family. Uh, obviously, uh, the York boys have just been very dominant and consistent winners around the, the Muncie uh, racetrack area and certainly all around that part of the country when they ventured out away from their home track. Talented group. Jeremy, as you said, won the 30K at Columbus. Uh, he was also the MVP. Um, a really strong performance there from him. Jesse, another great York racer in his own right, had to be about as cool as it gets Luke, to face one another in the final. And you think about the fact that that gets laddered a couple of rounds prior to that. So it really has to fall very well. It has to fall perfectly. There's no other option but it, for it to fall perfectly for you to make it to the final together. It does that. It had to be a super special moment. I know both of those guys, they're very close brothers. And I know that uh, they both wanted to win very badly, but wasn't going to be upset by their brother turning on the wind light. So 
that's just one of those can't lose final rounds that that had a very special feel to it. And it was fun to watch. I, I was actually watching that one live and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. One of the coolest uh, additions to this edition of the Fall Fling, probably made possible by the format, by the single entry format, was the inclusion of a week-long points chase. It was, it was, uh, it, it reminded me of the Moroso five day, Jed, you know, that back in the day, uh, the, the best racers in the world competing for a, a four day, in this case, points championship. As that wound up, we talked earlier, Michael Jackson secures that illustrious title. Second place, how about Mike Barber, Josh Baker, John LaBoose, Dan Davies round out the top five in a pretty eclectic combination of racers and vehicles used obviously the top two there are door cars big jed we got a couple of dragsters sprinkled in there one of the fastest dragsters on the property in dan davies one of the fastest door cars on the property door cars used loosely for john labus jr in the buggy pretty pretty cool group there top five very cool very diverse obviously you know a race like that that's got all that talent and all that different equipment you somewhat expect that, but the, the two door cars at the top battling that out. And, and of course, uh, Michael Jackson eventually winning. Dan Davies, you said one of the fastest dragsters on the property. He's one of the fastest in the country. I mean, he's he's going 415, 414 at Bristol. So in decent air at sea level, he's uh, he's probably a mid 4.0 car. So, you know, that's uh, you don't get much faster than that for sure, unless you're Travis Laster. But Really cool to see. Um, certainly enjoyed watching that points battle as it come down. I know Peter talked about it a little bit, and uh, JJ had some discussion about it. But it put a little extra excitement into it. Uh, I thought that was awesome to see. Um, Michael Jackson uh, had basically the – I watched the round that he had to win. Mike Barber had just gone out. Michael Jackson had to win the round to claim the points, and – made a phenomenal run. I'm thinking it was 10 total or something along those lines to, to secure the points championship. And it was not mid race, but it wasn't far from mid race. So just a, you know, a really cool addition to the program instead of an MVP this time, they did the points chase. I thought it was really fun to watch. And uh, certainly when you look at those top five uh, points earners, you know, I watched quite a bit of that race in this week, Luke, and, those guys were putting on a show. They were they were super impressive throughout the week. And, uh, Josh Baker, we all know how good he is. He finished middle of the pack. Really thought he was going to be the guy that broke through for the dragsters there on uh, on the hundred grander, but obviously come up just a tick short. But impressive racing and uh, and certainly impressive list there on that that top five points earners. Before we move on from the fall fling that week opened with the, the traditional dragster race, I believe it was Tuesday afternoon. That's how Tim Kelly get the win over Gary Williams in the dragster race. I think both finalists got a new dragster chassis of their choice. And I don't know, BJ, obviously credit goes there to, to Tim Kelly. G-Dub, it feels like, makes a living in the dragster race leading up to the fling. I swear he's won like five of those things or, or taken away five dragster chassis. It's got, it's four or five. It's a bunch. It does feel that way. Great point, Luke. He he has certainly won his share of dragster chassis. Uh, of course, G-Dub's won his share of everything, but he does seem to excel in those. They always start the week out. You're, that's always the first race out, and he gets off to a great start on uh, on multiple occasions and, and seems to, to win a lot of hardware. Midweek, Peter Biondo and the Fling staff made – a pretty big announcement. I guess uh, you maybe could have seen this coming had you read the tea leaves, but next year will be the 15th annual. That's hard to believe, Big Jet. I remember you on the mic, me in the lanes at the first fling, and we thought there'd never be another one. It didn't go particularly well. Obviously, that brand has taken off, cemented itself, it has grown. Coming up on year 15 in 2024 with a big, big anniversary race, Bristol Fall Fling 2024. $500,000 to win the main event. And as part of that announcement, Peter and the Fling team announced that they will basically run it back in terms of the format from this event last weekend, single entry, 425 car cap, 
We talked about it a little bit in the opening. I love that format. I've been pining for it for, for years. All of this is cyclical. It feels like this is coming back into vogue as the, uh, as the car counts really warrant it um, to get away a little bit from the double entry format into a true single only event with an elevated purse in this case, like I don't, I would assume that the entry fee for this is going to have to be in the $2,000 range. Perhaps that means that it won't sell out in three minutes. Although if history is any indication, I wouldn't put it by this team. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, same along the same lines as, as you're thinking, Luke, um, I was obviously, if you watch the, the announcement, I was, fortunate to to do the voiceover work for that uh for that announcement so that was pretty cool i got a i got little word of that and it was only a couple of days prior to the event uh, you know they kept that close to their vest and um when i when i found out what was going to be announced and what was taking place and they were going to follow that same single entry format uh with the cap field of 425 i i couldn't help but think you know, it's got to slow the, it's got to, because it's going to have a significant, you know, entry fee, I'm sure. And it's got to slow that, uh, that response down a little bit, but I'm just, I'm not sure, Luke. I don't know. Something about that flame brand just, just has people to where they flock to it, you know, in, in record times and numbers. So it's going to be very interesting to see when that, uh, when that opens up for pre-entry. To, to see how fast it fills up. But I, you know, I think this event filled up in three minutes or two minutes or something crazy beyond comprehension. I, I don't know if this one will go longer than 30, but maybe it'll last a little bit longer. I hope so. Give everybody a chance. Uh, let's let's transition briefly to the NHRA chase, two NHRA races on the calendar from last weekend. We had the national event in St. Louis. We had the division one finale in Virginia and the points chase is big Jed. Like we're getting down to the wire. It's getting real as, as they like to say. Now this coming week, there's a pair of double divisionals, one in St. Louis, one in Bakersfield, California. And that will tell a lot of the story for what's remaining. When those events are complete, all that will remain big Jed a week from today, all that will remain on the NHRA schedule are two divisional events, one in Rockingham, one in Las Vegas, and the final three national events on the schedule, Dallas, Vegas, Pomona. At that time, we'll have a much clearer picture. We'll deep dive on points chases, probably on next week's episode, following those events. Between now and then, though, there's just a few things that you need to know from the week that was. A week ago, Big Jed, we talked Mike Moorhead. Well, Mike Moorhead went to St. Louis. He ran his unbeaten streak to 13 consecutive rounds in top sportsmen before falling victim to a red light in the semifinal round in St. Louis. And after 13 consecutive round wins, I hate to say for my boy Mike, Mo Mike Moorhead, it's over for Mike Moorhead. On last week's show, we said that Moorhead was the biggest threat to unseat Brandon Miller atop the top sportsman champ, the top sportsman points standings. Well, Mike Moorhead had a good weekend. He lost in the semifinals at St. Louis, but guess what Brandon Miller did, Big Jed? What'd he do? He won the damn race. Lady. He went to Virginia Motorsports Park for the final Division I event of the season, and he won the damn race. It was his fourth victory of the season to go along with a pair of runner-up finishes big jed put the crown on his head it's over calling it right now october 2nd 635 p.m central standard time brandon miller is your top sportsman world champion in 2023 yeah you know obviously we talked about mike moorhead his great performance at the double divisional in tulsa and he he was really starting to make a run he had serious work cut out for him for sure he knew that as well as anyone but uh it obviously didn't work out tremendous run 13 rounds in a row and the red light was uh, like six or seven thou i think and looked like a a winnable race easy for me to say but it looked like a winnable race had he turned it on the green side and uh, and i hate that for mike moorhead his friends call him craven but brandon miller definitely 
Yeah. See, Luke, you're you're muted and they can't see you on the screen because I'm talking. But you, yeah, that's my dog right there. You get me. You got and, me on that one. You got me on that one. <laughs> Brandon Miller with a with a hell of a response. I mean, let's just call it what it is. That's that's how you do it. You go out, you get it done. You uh, you get your fourth victory of the season, and you cement yourself as the choice to go out and win this championship. So, Brandon Miller, the season he's had. Very deserving and, and happy to see that he's going to get it done. A week ago, Jed, I declared it was Clint Geisy. He was the prohibitive favorite in Top Dragster. Vince Mussolino, Big Jed. Vince Mussolino raised his hand and said, not so fast. His victory at the Division I finale at Virginia Motorsports Park is his fifth of the Top Dragster season. Let me repeat, that is his fifth win, Big Jed. He has staged in eight events. He has won more often than he hasn't. A week ago, when I said that Clint Geisy is the prohibitive favorite, I did give myself an out. I said, I don't, I don't think there's enough meat left on the bone. I don't think Vince Mussolino has enough races left to get it. But I caught myself. I said, well, I mean, if he's got four races left, if he wins two of them, maybe he could win. Well, guess what, Big Jed? <laughs> what did Vince Mussolino do last week? He won the damn race, and he's halfway there, Luke. That's one out of the way. Well, <laughs> in reality, the victory puts Mussolino and Geisy on similar footing. Um, they have essentially the same number of events remaining. Their scores are very similar once Mussolino stages at his next national event, which he gets full points for. Um, both have opportunities to improve significantly at the remaining events. What I love, this is probably, this is it, man. This is what I love about the NHRA points chase, Jed. Where else can you get a racer from Bridgeport, New York, and a racer from Renton, Washington, going head-to-head -head for the world championship, likely meeting to battle this out in Pomona, California, at the final event of the season, in a 32-car field that quite possibly produces the opportunity for them to go head-to-head -head for the title. That's what it's all about, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, from a fan standpoint, that's what you want to see. Obviously, that uh, puts a, a higher level of excitement in it for us as we watch. But if you're one of those two competitors, that is not what you want to see. That's going to be an ultra-tense uh, setting and atmosphere and you know that that's what creates champions those moments is what creates champions and it certainly gives you the experience to to go do it again or compete in that uh, in that type of atmosphere again Luke so um, I'm you know from a fan standpoint as a fanboy I'm hoping that comes down to a, a moment like that where Mussolino and Geisy face one another for the, the right to continue on and win the championship. That'll be very, very cool for me. Not so much for either of those guys. Oh, you, you wouldn't, as the, as the racer being in that, like, that's the reason we race, man. I, that's, that's it. I'd love that more as the, as a competitor than as a fan, maybe, maybe more so in hindsight, that's an awesome experience. I was going to say, that's what I always say after a big moment, but <laughs> leading up to it, I'm like, ah, oh, my God, I got the bubble guts. <laughs> the super stock points lead national points lead big jed that changed hands sunday as well brian warner scored a clutch clutch victory at virginia motorsports park it was his final event of the season at which to earn points and the victory catapulted him into the lead currently with 635 points. That's a tremendous score. That's a score that flirts with winning the national championship most seasons. It's also a score that will not hold up in 2023. I mean, he's leading now. It's possible. But I would be shocked if that holds up just because of the, the, the breadth of talent behind him and the races that they have remaining. We've, we've discussed it all season, how amazing Superstock's going to be. But that victory, it's the do or die time. Like that victory is super impressive, regardless of what the number on the side of Brian Warner's car ends up being in 2024. That was awesome. 
Well, it's typical Brian Warner. It's typical any Warner, uh, Brian, Byron, whomever has Warner in their name, you know, they're clutch racers, they're competitors, great competitors, and they're winners. So no surprise to see Brian get that win, but certainly, um, you know, giving himself the, the best opportunity he can to be in the mix and possibly get this done. That's what makes it so clutch. You know, he, he was, he was in need of a performance like that. And then he went out and got it in a very difficult environment. You know, that was a good super stock field at BMP. So great to see Brian Warner get that done. That's a, that's a super clutch moment and one that he can be extremely proud of Luke. Kyle Rizzoli's stock eliminator lead still appears to be safe, but there are a handful of talented racers that can make things really interesting if they continue their recent hot streak. So a week ago, we talked about Jeff Strickland and the run that he's making, the threat that he poses potentially to Kyle Rizzoli. Another talented racer, one Tyler Bohannon. He got the win last week in Stock Eliminator in St. Louis. He's got races remaining. He could make a run and make this interesting to Kyle Rizzoli. And Big Jed, full transparency, there's no one that would be rooting for that more than one host on this show. Somebody that picked Tebow to win the Stock World Championship? Listen, full uh, transparency, I, I, I enjoy rooting for Tyler Bohannon. Not that I would ever want to root against Kyle Rizzoli. got to love Rizzoli as well. I, I like rooting for Tyler. I also like it. When I look smart and if Tyler Bohannon runs the table and wins the national championship, I will look almost as smart as you did Colin Sherman Adcock. Cause those were our two predictions at, at the outset of the season. So yeah, definitely rooting for Tyler. Well, I picked a guy that I was guaranteed was going to at least make a run at it just by the amount of events that he goes to. You picked a guy that I don't know that was a guarantee and a guy that, uh, that hasn't won a world championship in that category. So that was going out on a limb for you. Not that we, we know Tebow's capable of doing it, but it was still going out on a limb. You're going to be genius level if Tebow gets this done. Genius level. That, that's going to be an amazing pick. Let me ask you this because I think it's an inside joke, but I'm 99% sure you'll get it. How did you know that Sherman was going to pursue it? Um, he always does. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, Luke. Man, That's you just, how you, I, knew. I can't even give you a good Sherman voice. Man, you just, you just got to go get your six and eight. If it starts good, it starts bad. You got <laughs> to get your six and eight and see what happens. He always gets his six and eight. Got to get your six what eight. happens. And sometimes it works out really good. Six nationals and eight divisionals. It does help if you win the first five. That's something I learned this year. Win the first five is more better. You can't win them all more if you better. don't win the first one. That is great, great insight, Luke. One other stock eliminator racer that's making significant noise, definitely popped up on my radar, may, may not have the name recognition of a Kyle Rizzoli or a Jeff Strickland or a Tyler Bohannon, but Kansas racer Tom Kane. Tom Kane advanced to the semifinal round in St. Louis, and he's within reach. He is a maybe on the fringes of the national championship discussion, but he's a threat. He's got a victory this season. And I think that St. Louis was his fourth semifinal appearance of the season. So Tom Kane also making a run that caught my eye over the weekend. Moving back into the bracket world, Big Jed. Luke, before you go any oh. further, I don't know Tom Kane. I don't no either. Offense, no offense to Shane Carr, but shouldn't Tom's nickname be Sugar? Definitely. Sugar Cane and Craven Morehead. <laughs> you can't say it together like that, man. Oh, See, did I, I ruin it? Kinda, I just kind of I just kind of tricked it in there a little bit. It's all about the delivery. This is why you could do stand-up. And I That's would say point. That's a great point. That's a great point. <laughs> but back to your your topic there you're about to discuss. Back to uh a topic that's as near and dear to your heart as any a little bottom ball action. Jed, let's close it out. I've got one more, one word. Give me one word for Rick Bear's return to the Buckeye state and the no box nationals over the weekend. 
my one word for Rick Bear and his performance at Norwalk is my one word, Luke, is familiar territory. Um, but if you hashtag it, it's one word. Okay. So okay. Hashtag, hashtag familiar territory. It's even, it's even a lot of syllables. Well, it was definitely a lot of syllables. I see. I almost didn't even get to say that right. But Rick Bear in Ohio at Norwalk in the winter circle in a big moment at a big bottom bulb event. That's familiar territory. I mean, this cat lived in Ohio most all of his life. He's he's now a Tennessee guy, but he uh, he's dominated that scene up there. Luke um, performed very well for now multiple decades and. It's no surprise whatsoever to see him get it done. A, a $7,500 win over one of the best to do it in Steve Collier. And Friday, $7,500 main event. Sunday, $7,500 main event. Got a runner-up to, uh, excuse me, one of the best to ever do it. And that's Lucas Walker. Um, Lucas was swapping feet. So I have to give him the nod there as a uh, as great performance. I mean, you know, those other guys with buttons in their hands, that's a great performance. Don't get me wrong, but it is, it does change the game a little bit when you can have the gas mashed all the way to the floor and your foot's off the brake when you take off. So I think that does improve your package slightly. And um, if anybody wants to argue that, I'm up for that anytime, anywhere. But still, an amazingly strong performance from Rick Bayer, one we've come to expect from him. Go Bucks, OH, great job by Rick Bear and then uh, certainly Steve Collier and Lucas Walker for salvaging a weekend. And Luke, I, Luke, I don't know if you saw Lucas Walker, his posts on Facebook. I did. Um, I mean, brutal. And again, that's a testament to no box racing, especially in that part of the country, how ridiculously good it is. Those guys are incredible. Lucas was making all-star runs on the bottom and coming up short and he was obviously frustrated and for him to come back Sunday, knowing how challenging it is and the frustration level at a, at a higher point and to get it done, it just shows who he is and how talented Lucas Walker is. So that's a, that's tough racing up there. And those guys perform very well. As much as I would like to make surprising a clean sweep in my one word for the week, Rick Bear winning any no-box race anywhere is not surprising. Rick Bear's return to the Buckeye State was triumphant. Rick returns to OH and is immediately the hymnist of the Buckeyes. Congrats to Slick Rick. Congrats to Lucas Walker. The, the, the main event that we've kind of brushed over, we buried the lead to this point, Saturday's $20,000 to win main event of the No Box Nationals was won by the racer that in that area, no surprise whatsoever. AJ Buchanan doesn't get on the road a whole, whole bunch. AJ Buchanan is the current reigning, defending multi-time pro eliminator track champion at Norwalk at Summit Motorsports Park. And the homegrown talent goes to the biggest win, at least the richest win, no box win at Norwalk of the season. No shocker there. He got the Saturday win over uh, Pennsylvania competitor, Bill Kinsey. Yeah, great win for A.J. Buchanan. As you said, Luke, he, he does it uh, where the, the fuel card out traveling around. He, uh, he stays in that general region of the country and always performs very well. A.J. with a huge win, a $20,000 win on the bottom. You know, that that probably gets breezed over a little bit from the, the top bulb community. But for a, a hardcore bottom bulb racer that that's where they live week in and week out, that is a monster win. A $7,500 win is huge, and a $20,000 win is just huge, super huge and a monster win. Really proud for AJ. Bill Kinsey going to that final coming out of Pennsylvania, very impressive as well. But uh, that's one, you know, AJ, he, he's probably got – quite a few fives and sevens and those types of things on the mantle, but a 20, you don't get those opportunities very often. That one's going to sit in a special place. Is it huger? More huger. Yeah. More huger. More huger. Yeah. We had a tickets punch situation 
On the other coast, Big Jed, the Strip at Las Vegas Motor Speedway played host to the Division 7 ET Finals. I believe that is the sixth of seven divisions running off. Uh, only Division 2 remains. That's this coming up weekend. Tickets punched and the guys and gals, uh, just guys in this in this particular case, that don't have to make a huge trip. They just have to return to Vegas in about a month. Chuck Hawk Jr., your super pro Division 7 champ, he will represent D7 at the World Championship runoff. Sean Brewster was the pro winner, AJ Crater and sportsman Michael O'Neill and motorcycle and the defending national champion, Big Jed, in the EV class, street legal EV. Craig Merrilee's back to defend that crown. The, the most consistent EV car I've ever seen in a quarter mile. Not that I've seen a bunch of them, but uh, we went through the stats last year. It was pretty impressive. It was very impressive. So Craig Merrilee's coming back to do it. I know that uh, Danny Hoff is going to be going out there and competing, trying to find a way to get his personal Tesla out there. I think he'll be a handful that, uh, that class, although it's not very popular or common at most races, it's going to be fun to watch because it's got some really good competitors in it, Luke. So that'll be that'll be a blast to see how that works out. What about Chuck Hawk Jr. and the Super Pro there going? I mean, you it's hard to believe that it was that long ago that Chuck Hawk made his way out here and raced so much out here on the East Coast with us. And he and his family is still out there getting it done uh, along with Brad and yeah, those guys are just really strong racers out of that region of the country and have been for quite some time. And those other competitors, I'm sure, will represent the division very well. Luke, it's, it's a little bit disappointing, surprising, whatever, that uh, there's not a hofer on the list there. Um, that, that is uh, not common, that is don't, it? That don't happen very often. Uh, we usually have a hofer on the list. So No we'll hofer, no mangas. Is it, are things okay in Division yeah. 7? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Were they even there? So it'll be fun to watch a new group get out there and get after it and compete, and uh, and we'll see how that works out. The, I know we'll have some more discussion about the, the NHRA World Finals or National Finals when uh, the list gets full. On next week's show, like I teased earlier, you can expect a full-on deep dive. Nerd out on the NHRA points, Chase. We've got Two double divisionals, as I mentioned before, in Division 7, as well as Division 3. We'll talk about those. We will talk about the Class Racer Revival. That's where I'll be tomorrow, Big Jet. Looking forward to that. We will discuss that. We'll discuss the NHRA Division 2 ET Finals. I believe that is the final opportunity for racers to punch that ticket to Las Vegas. And, of course, where you'll be, Big Jet, the IHRA World Finals. We'll be talking about some world champs next week. We'll cover that as well. Yeah, I would love to to be the next uh, super pro or, or top or whatever they call it. Do you have a conflict of interest here? Because you're you're last I checked, you're not far from Bayleton, but you are not from Bayleton. I'm not from Bayleton. I'm about an hour on the nose from there, maybe an hour and five minutes if, the, if there's a little bit of traffic in uh, in Holly Pond when you go through. But uh, you know, it's not a conflict of interest. I'm going to be pulling for for another a, a different Jared to win the the top world championship in IHRA this year. I don't know if uh, last year's Jared Jared Ledford is in the the mix in the show this year, but I'll be pulling for a little bit of a different Jared this year. But I love those guys at Bayleton. I love the the racers from the good time, and uh, if if Heath Davis pulls this off. I'll be right there celebrating with him because, like I said, like I told Paige in the in the pre-show, I got to stay till the end, no matter what, because JJ's announcing. So I might as well not suck and just hang around and and try to win this thing because uh, I don't get to go home when I get my head caved in. So I'm gonna really try hard to win, Luke. Not that uh-huh. I would have not tried hard to win otherwise, but I think I'm gonna try more harder now. More harder. I like it. Sounds gonna, like a logical plan. I'm, I'm going to set up 005 instead of 009. Uh, could be the difference. If history is any indication, 
that might be a wise strategy at Holly Springs. It seems like a it seems like an easy place to make nice runs. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's the AccuTime system. The tree fires consistently, and the track's really good. And I fully expect my opponent in the other lane, whomever that is, that's earned their way there, to make a good run. And, Probably uh, going like to be said, somebody that doesn't suck. Yeah, somebody that's won their way there. And like I said last week, when these days, no matter what, if it's Saturday night or if it's in the World Finals. I go to the starting line thinking I got to be the best I can be. I don't, I don't set up trying to be 15 and think that's going to be good enough. You know, you just can't do that these days. So I'm going to go out there and give them what I got. May not have much, but we'll enjoy ourselves nonetheless. Regardless of whoever wins, I look forward to talking about, uh, you know, the class race revi- revival and these NHRA events and how they're shaping things up and certainly the the ET side of things from the NHRA and IHRA is going to be fun to talk about. So sound like a full show next week. Luke. That class race to revival, obviously I'm biased. I love that format of racing. I would love to do more of it. I love the idea that I'm going to run 990 tomorrow for $10,000 and they're going to write somebody a check right there. You could go and leave with it, like actual money that is commensurate, at least more commensurate to what, those racers have invested in their program. Um, I would love to see more of that. So I hope that this race is a resounding success and I'm confident that it will be. I look forward to talk. I look forward to living it. I look forward to talking about it. Yeah. I hope it's a massive success for him. I, I think it's a great strategy, you know, uh, no, not trying to predict the future, but if this doesn't get the kind of response they want it to get, then I'm not sure anything will. This is great timing. It was a really good idea from, from B-Dub and Tebow and, and those guys, you know, they're, they're doing a wonderful job in everything they do, as we know. So this, uh, this is going to be interesting to see how it plays out, and I hope it's very successful for them. And for you personally, I hope it goes well. A little different strategy this week, as we talked about pre-show. You're going to go 990, not – at 175 miles per hour this week, Luke. I am going to compete in the super gas category with no need for a throttle stop, probably not a delay box, perhaps not even a launch chip. We're going to get after it. We're going to have some fun tomorrow. The Vega to the front, 990 (laughs) at 133 to the staging lanes, please. So what are you, you just, you tighten the front end down just a little bit because you're obviously not going to leave at 4,200 and you don't have the option to uh, kill it after it moves. You got to, you got to let her eat. I need all that ET, Big Jet. I need all that ET. We've run run the numbers. You might need to, you you might want to find you just a little bit of isopropylene if you don't know what that is. Slip you a little bit of that in your in your alcohol. That'll help. That'll be more that gooder. Will, that will that'll make that six twenty six target just a little bit easier to get to, Luke. But okay. uh, nonetheless, uh, I got to come clean. No, the the Vega does not like tighten front ends. That's why we that's why we do big wheelies. We we do we do big wheelies because when we tighten the front end, it 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 doesn't do big wheelies and it does funny stuff. So we do big wheelies with Vega. That's that's what I'm going to come clean here, Big Jed. I, I cheated a little bit. I, I did some testing. I know we're going to get one time trial tomorrow. I thought, whew, boy, one shot to hit that pro tree and go 990 wide open. That's a little intimidating, right? So I, I prepared a little bit. I did some testing at my home track, the I-57 drag strip Saturday night. And um, yeah, so here's here's the issue that I face. If you watched any of the live feed from the OG million, you know that my Vega likes to do wheelies. I I got 60 foot times on the rear tires most of the week in St. Louis. The air is going to be better this week. I was leaving at 3,600 RPM at the million dollar race. I cannot leave at 3,600 RPM on the 410th Pro Tree and be competitive. So uh, Saturday night, I left at 5,600 RPM. In order to do that, I, uh, I, I necessitated some changes in the setup. Uh, I moved approximately uh, 80 pounds out of the trunk and relocated 40 of it on the nose. Uh, I, I dropped the wheelie bars down just to be safe, but I think I could have left them up. 
the initial hit is significantly more violent, as you might expect, but uh, the wheel stand is manageable. So we're going to have some fun tomorrow. We're ready. Well, if you tested at I-57 and that sucker didn't flip over backwards, then that's a good thing. I don't uh, know what it is about that place. I do bigger ridiculous. wheelies there than anywhere. Yeah. They got the, and after after talking about Mike Moorhead, I'm hesitant to say this, but they got the biggest wheelies I've ever seen at I-57. And I have seen a big wheelie or two in my time. So definitely uh, definitely a good sign. Again, if, it, if you didn't stand her straight up there, you're going to be A-OK at St. Louis. Everything's going to be just fine. Let it eat and go get them, bro. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how this turns out for you. You know, they... They got you in a they got you in a spot where they don't want you. You're um you're obviously going to be the much slower car and something you're extremely comfortable in. And you're you're really just going to kind of be there having fun and probably not, you know, throwing a whole lot of curveballs at them. Just let go really good and run the 990. And that's not where they want you because they're not going to be able to judge you either. Like it's going to be interesting. This might be your new 990 setup, bro. It might be. We'll see how this goes. It, it, it could go very, very wrong. I'm just telling you, I'm with you. They, what they don't want is for that one time run to be like 990 or something that I know how to kill to get to 990 because Maveka is pretty good and it's a one day race. And like, if it goes 989 at 9 a.m. tomorrow, it's probably going to go 989 at 9 p.m. tomorrow. And I can work with that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I like looking it. Looking forward to it. It's going to be good stuff. <laughs> All right. I think we're done, Luke. It's a relatively short show. We dragged it out to, to an hour, but um, it was good stuff. Great topics, conversation, and a lot of fun on the show tonight. Look forward to talking to you next week about all the great uh, races that we're going to get to to cover. But this one's done. If you uh, if you got something you want to talk to us about or something we should have said or should have discussed or shouldn't have said or shouldn't discussed, like uh, talk, talking about Mr. Moorhead, you want to get on me about that, there's a place to do that. You can do it right there at the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. You can do it for everybody to see, and I'll take my beating like a man, or you can do it through private message, and producer Mark will snag that up and, uh, and let me know what, uh, what I should have done better. Luke, I've seen you go to the notebook a time or two. I know there's some shouts. I'm, uh, I'm a little bit nervous, but excited at the same time. It's been a few weeks, but I'm back, baby. I'm back with shouts. I've got a good shout list. Shouts to Big Wheelies. Shouts to the Thriller. He beat it. The man in the mirror was, in fact, the Hemist. Shouts to Homecoming Court. Shouts to Huger and more Huger. Shouts to the traffic in Holly Pond. You snuck that one in there, but I got that. That was good. Shouts to exuding. Go way back to the start of the show. Shouts to syllables. We had a lot of them. Shouts to sugar cane. Shouts to Craven. <laughs> that was an epic shout list, my friend. That was very well done. I loved it. Um, guys, uh, Luke and I are both also active on the x by the way how comfortable am i look at that little bit of leg right there this is awesome i love this setup i may have to start sending my wife and baby girl in another room just let me have the living room this this could be the living room podcast we had the living room nationals for years this could be the living room podcast but anyway uh add us tweet us whatever you do there luke is at luke bogacki b-o-g-a-c-k-i i am at jp11x um we appreciate you watching. If you're tuning in live tonight, and we had a nice big crowd in here. And uh, if you're not a watcher and you're just listening on Friday, thank you for listening. We appreciate that. And if you did both, we appreciate you even more. Thank you, folks. We uh, look forward to, to next week's show and talking to you again real soon. Wait a minute. Let me get, let me get Chloe girl up here. She just been laying here right beside me this whole time. That's my sweet baby girl right here. Talking to you again real soon about more sports and drag races. Oh, 
Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.